Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, we are once again going to turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 3, to our study of treasures from the book of Mark, and to our study of the master's men, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we find in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 13. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Tonight we want to look back at verse 18. We want to see the name Matthew. Matthew, we want to preach tonight on this thought. Matthew, cutting ties. Cutting ties with the world. Leaving those things behind. Leaving the world behind and moving forward for the cause of Christ. Did you know that the New Testament has been translated into over 1,600 different languages? And there are portions of the New Testament that have been translated into 1,200 some more. So that's 2,800 languages, portions, if not all, of the New Testament have been translated into. Did you know that right now there have been six billion copies of the Word of God distributed or sold. Did you know that 100 million Bibles were printed last year? Did you know there are 2.4 billion listeners to Christian broadcasting every month? That's staggering, those numbers. How did it start? Jesus. Gave his life on the cross, was buried and raised again on the first day of the week. Rome oppressed the church, martyred Christians, fed them to lions. Israel rejected the church. Greece laughed at the church. Yet Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How was the church launched? Jesus. He chose 12 common, ordinary men, gave them instructions. One of them betrayed him and defected and turned around. And Jesus entrusted his word to 11 men, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, failures, men with faults, men that were not polished, but they were available and faithful. And they sold out for the cause of Christ. And God used these men to turn the world upside down. Just maybe God will choose to use us for his glory and his kingdom to reach others for the cause of Christ as well. Can you just imagine to a Jewish family of godly mama and a godly daddy there was born a baby. 
And they said, we're going to name him Levi. The name means joined. And Levi was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was a priestly tribe. So Levi is a prestigious name. And mama and daddy said, let's give that boy the godly, prestigious name of Levi. He was re raised in a good Jewish family, a good, fine Jewish young man. But somewhere along the way, he turned on his own people, on his own family, upon his nation, and he became a tax collector, hated by the Israelites, hated by the Jews, that he might extract and extort taxes from the Jews and give big portions of it to the Roman oppressors. Do you think Levi was a disappointment to his parents? Do you think they prayed for that boy? Do you think they went to see their priest and said, Oh, sir, please pray for our boy Levi. He's gone the wrong way. It looks like he's a lost cause. May I say tonight that Jesus is the Christ of lost causes. I was a sinner too, and Jesus found me. I feel preaching stern and saved my soul. I just want to say tonight, Levi was not beyond hope. I was not beyond hope. You were not beyond hope. And the ones you're praying for tonight, they are not beyond hope. Thank God for it. When I think about, you got all this out of Matthew, preacher. Yes, I did. I think first of all about Matthew's salvation. Now think about it. Look in chapter 2. Just turn back one chapter. We're in chapter 3. Turn back one chapter. Chapter 2 and verse 13. Jesus went forth again by the seaside. Can you see Jesus as he travels around the shore of the Sea of Galilee? And all the multitudes resorted unto him and he taught them. He's teaching them the word of God and they're following him. And as he passed by with this great company, this great multitude, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. Let me just say time out long enough to say, Jesus didn't just accidentally, arbitrarily cast his eyes on Levi. You know why he was walking around the Sea of Galilee as he taught the Word of God, as people were following him? You know where he was going? He's going somewhere with a purpose. He's looking for Levi. And he saw him sitting at the receipt of custom. I can read to you out of Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, verse 3. It says, Matthew the publican. That means he was a tax collector. Two types of tax collectors. Those that just collected taxes for your yearly taxes based off the census. And then there are those that get a little more deeper in your pockets in that they set up toll booths and, and they're, they're taxing every piece of merchandise bought or sold and they're taxing every fish that's brought out of the Sea of Galilee and goes for sale to the marketplace. That is who Levi was. He was deep in your pockets taxing not just every year but every transaction you made, he was taxing you. He cared nothing for his nation. Let me just say this. Matthew's salvation 
I want to say three things about it. First of all, he's counting his money. He's in everybody's pocket. He's uh, robbing people. He's, he's paid the Romans for the position for them to protect his toll booth, his tax booth, his tariff booth, and he's given them a piece of the action. It's a lucrative business. He's charging them a rate. He's getting commission and fees, and he became rich. And I'm telling you, he's the most hated, the most despised, the most despicable, the most rejected of all humans. He was considered the scum of society. He was considered a traitor to his nation because he worked for the enemy. He didn't care. He's counting his money. He's living for Rome and not living for Israel. He's living for self and not living for God. As he sits there, this young man that was raised in a godly home and has gone so wayward, he's guilty of dishonesty, extortion, theft. He stole from others. He's carnal. He's conniving. He's greedy. He's money-grabbing. He's stealing. He's living for three people, me, myself, and I. Have you ever been there? He's a social outcast, and he knew it, and he didn't care. His fellow citizens wouldn't even speak to him and pass by on the other side of the street. He's not allowed to enter the house of God, technically. He's considered the vilest and the lowest of all sinners. He was living for things and not living for God. His money bags were full. His accounts and his account book and his tax records were kept meticulously. There was a wealthy man in Texas one time that Dr. George Truett went to see and he stepped out on the porch, the man did, and he said, Preacher, I'll have you to know that I own two miles in the west direction and one mile in the east direction and I own one mile in the north direction. And the preacher put his hand up and said, Oh, I get it. And the preacher pointed towards heaven and said, How much do you own in that direction? Amen. Let me ask you a question tonight. Amen. I've got some ownership there tonight. How much do you own in that direction? I don't care how many acres you have. I don't care how big your blessed house is. I don't care about all your inheritance, honey. Do you have property in heaven? That's what's important, amen. Dr. Truett asked the right question. You may own many things, but I promise you they will soon own you. He's counting his money. Also, I see him changing his mind. And he's sitting there at the tax booth collecting his taxes. I'm sure that Peter, James, John, and Andrew had oftentimes come through that tax booth to pay their taxes, to mumble and grumble about it. Only one day, they met a man named Jesus, and they got saved and started following the Lord and quit fishing for fish, and they started fishing for men. Can you see them as they passed the toll booth and he says, where's the fish, boys? Oh, we quit the fishing business. What? Oh, we're following a man named Jesus. He's forgiven us of our sins and saved our souls. And we're on our way to heaven. And Levi thought, what are you talking about? You boys is completely crazy. And he watched them 
day after day after day in Capernaum as they followed the Master. And then one day, Jesus came walking around the Sea of Galilee with the multitude following him. And he came right up to that tax booth and he said two words. Everybody thought, oh, get him, Jesus. Get him. He's going to straighten out that tax collector. He's going to straighten out that man of the world. He's going to tell him a thing or two. Jesus walked right up to him and said, follow me. Ha! As if to say, if you'll get up from where you are, I'll forgive you. Of all your greed, of all your extortion, of all your scandals, I'll forgive you of all of it. Leave your world behind and begin to follow me. Amen. Without hesitation, my Bible says, he arose and followed him. Levi left it all behind. He left everything, the receipt of custom, all the money bags, all the meticulous tax records. He left it all sitting there and got up and followed Jesus. And they were all amazed. Think about it. He gave up more than Peter, James, or John, or Andrew. Those boys that went into the ministry, their daddy, Zebedee, still has the fishing boat. If things don't work out, they can always go back fishing. But not Levi, because the minute he walked away from Rome and from collecting those taxes, they had somebody take his place immediately. And he's got nothing, brethren and sisters. He's given all up to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. To leave it all behind is implying he's repenting of his sins. He's walking away, taking steps of faith to follow Jesus Christ. Never to return to the sin where he was before. What, what, what was it that brought about this change of mind? What, brought, what, what was it that caused this sudden decision that caused him to leave his seat? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, I think there's the miracle that Jesus wrought. Look back earlier in chapter 2. The Bible says that Jesus is again in Capernaum. That's where Levi's tax booth was, where he's heard about Peter, James, and John's and Andrew's testimony. And Jesus has come into Capernaum. And when he goes into Capernaum, he's teaching in chapter 2 in the house of uh, in someone's house, and he's there telling them the word. And when he taught the word, look with me in Mark chapter 2, the Bible says that when he was teaching, it was noise, verse 1, that he was in the house. Verse 2 says they couldn't get another person in there. They couldn't get in the door. They couldn't get in the window. They couldn't get another person in. And here comes four fellas carrying their friend, sick of the palsy, carrying him on some type of a couch or some type of a, a mat or something, bringing him to Jesus. They can't get in the door. They can't get in the window. But I believe they had enough faith to take the roof. Just imagine tonight if we heard something start sawing and cutting, taking the roof off the place, and they took this man by faith and lowered him down to Jesus in the middle of that room. They were probably in Simon Peter's house. I don't think I'd have want to took the roof off Simon Peter's house without being afraid he's going to rebuke me and tear me all to pieces. Yet, there his sins and told him to get up, walk, and he carried his bed out of that place. And he went walking in town, and I'm telling you, Levi, Levi, 
knew about this boy sick with the palsy. And now Levi's thinking, if Jesus can take a man sick of the palsy and forgive his sins and give him strength in his legs that he can arise and follow Jesus, then bless God when he tells me follow him, I'm going to get up too and I'm going to begin to follow Jesus. If he can do for Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and he can do for this man sick of the palsy, maybe he can do something for me. I'm telling you, before I got saved, I saw people. I examined them. My daddy's a preacher. I know when people's trying to pull the wool over your eyes. I've seen it done many a time. But I've also saw those things which were real, where there was real, genuine repentance and people, lives that Jesus turned around. And honey, that bore a witness on this old boy when it was time for me to get saved. I said, if he can save them and he can save them, and he can save me. You need to get a witness on that. Have you looked around lately to see what God is doing? I believe there was a miracle that Christ wrought. I believe another thing that affected him was the man that Christ sought. Levi knew what a scandalous man he was. Levi knew that he was a sinner, a hog-gut sinner. But Jesus saw the possibility in Levi. Jesus saw the potential in Levi. Did you know? that God caused this Levi to change his name to Matthew and he wrote the longest gospel narrative of the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God used his record-keeping, meticulous tax records. He used that ability to say, if you could be meticulous about tax records, be meticulous about my son. And he gives the genealogy in perfect order of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and presents Jesus as King. He went into great, great detail about his agony on the cross. He went into great detail about his victory over the tomb. What a difference Jesus made in Levi's life. I think also about the message that Jesus brought. He simply said, Follow me. He is demanding faith. Did you know those two words are the greatest invitation ever extended? Follow me. Repent. Leave your world for Christ's leadership. He walked away from his entire career. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Levi was totally committed to going with Jesus all the way. Not only is he changing his mind, and he's, he was counting his money, now he's changing his mind, but watch this. He's starting to confess his master. When he got up, Levi left his sins. He left them all. All that was dishonest. All that was underhanded. He disconnected himself from the world where he lived. No turning back. His self-indulgent lifestyle has turned into a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. He left his sins. You know what else he did? He told his friends. These next verses, we're in chapter 2. These next verses of 15 and 16, and he threw a great big feast. He invited all the people that he knew. Guess who they were? 
publicans, more tax collectors, sinners. That's who he associated with. He invited them all to his house, and Jesus was the guest of honor. And all the Pharisees stood outside and raised up their nose. Why does your master eat and drink with sinners? And asked the disciples, didn't have enough guts to ask Jesus. But Jesus, praise God, is in there and he's telling them about how to be saved and how to have their sins forgiven. Hear me, look, think for a minute. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus said, it's what Matthew wrote down, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my father. Levi threw that party, that great feast. You know what he's doing? He's left his sins. He's telling all his friends. He's making an open confession that I have been saved. Jesus is my friend. And when he made an open confession, one day Jesus will stand before God the Father. If we'll confess him in our home, he'll accept us into his home. Amen. Thank God for it. You know what his name Matthew means? Look with me now. Chapter 2, we're there in chapter 2, verse 14. As he passed by, he saw Levi. Go to the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 18. He's now called Matthew. In one chapter, his name has been changed. He's a new man in Christ. He has a new master. He has a new life. He has a new passion. He has a new direction. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. And behold, all things are made new. You know what the name Matthew means? Gift of God. Matthew got it, didn't he? Salvation is God's gift to us sinners. Salvation, God's salvation is offered to sinners. It is free. It cannot be earned. It cannot be merited. It cannot be purchased. No one is entitled to it. It is by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. Ephesians 2.8 for, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Romans 6.23 the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Levi left his sins. Levi told his friends. Levi used his pen. He started, God had him to record the gospel according to Matthew. He rightly divided Jesus' word for us to understand. Now, tonight, number three, and this was what was most important to me. And you'll pardon me if I preach to myself. Thirdly, I want, or secondly, I want you to see his submission. Not only Matthew's salvation, but Matthew's submission. Now, we're looking in our text in chapter three. We know the disciples are broken down into three groups of four. The first group, according to the text, is Peter, James, John, and Andrew. That's the starting four. The second group is always headlined, fifthly, by Philip. And then the Bible says after Philip, 
there's Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas. Now, they're arranged differently, 6, 7, and 8, in other texts, in Matthew and, and, and in Luke and in Acts. But in this text, Matthew is listed number 7. He is in the middle of the middle group. Now, I want you to think for a minute with me. I'm going to get... Before he was saved, he ran his own business. He was his own boss. He called his own shots. If he got knocked down, he would grab his own bootstraps and pull himself back up. He had no shame. He extorted money. He gave some to Rome in exchange for protection. He's flat in the middle of taxing and cheating people. He owned the franchise. He has a major racket going on. But now he's got saved. He's left it all behind. And he's placed in the middle of the disciples. He's never been in the middle. He's always been out front. A man that owns his own business and calls his own shots is used to being in the forefront. And if he's asked to be in the middle, pardon me, but he's uncomfortable there. It's not where his life choices have brought him to. And here's Matthew, joyous to be in the middle of the pack. He's willing to play any position. He's willing to be in any place. He's happy and humble to be saved. He no longer has to be first. He no longer has to be the biggest. Don't you know in his position as a tax collector, he was demanding? Don't you know in his business as a tax collector and a business owner, he was commanding? Don't you know he was loud, large, and in charge? But now, he gladly accepts his place. He said, I'd rather be seventh amongst the disciples in the middle of the middle group going to heaven than to be first place on the Titanic going to hell. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you willing to serve him in any place? And in any position? I'm telling you, I've seen people get saved, and all of a sudden things begin to change, and they begin, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then all of a sudden, God put them through some type of a storm and wrestled them down real good, and then learned to say, you know what, Lord? I don't care if I call first place. I'm just happy to be saved. And I'll do anything and I'll serve in any place. Lord, you win and I've won too. What a Savior. Woo! Thank God for it. Preacher Darren, how do you know? Because I've been there. I've seen him wrestle me down. After I got saved, thought I was done, thought I was serving him, only to have him break me and break me, and humble me, woo, to get in the place to say, I don't care if I'm in Spruce Pine or in South Kakalaki. I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. I'm just glad I'm saved. I don't have to be the pastor. I can be, I don't have to be the associate. I'm just glad I'm saved. I don't have to lead a choir. I don't have to sing in the choir. I'm just glad I'm saved. If you want me to sing, I'll sing. If you want me to preach, I'll preach. But I'm just happy. Well, glory to God. Woo! Submission we see in Matthew. God takes people who are pushing their way, 
are making their way to the top. And then he gets them in the most unassuming way in a vice grip and says, you'll serve me or suffer. You'll not go by your own light. You're going to go my way, my calling. And you'll get in a place where you'll say, yes, sir. <laughs> Lord, I'll do whatever you want. And I'll be happy and joyous to do so. You would be surprised how many people that the Lord starts trying to break and get with them in a place of humility only to watch them to walk away and say, not what I signed up for. I'm saved. That's good enough. Honey, I'm telling you, there's so much joy to be had after initial salvation. I just, listen, I, Whoa, I got so many glory bumps on me right now, I could button my shirt on one. I'm just telling you, it's about him and not about us. Oh, I feel. Mm. Once we're saved, we're no more big shots. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself again trying to tell people, and, and you know, I'm just trying to help them, but you're really trying to tell them what you think. Honey, just... Just listen, Job put his hand over his mouth. I'm by. I dare not say another word. Boy, thank you, Lord. Thirdly, thirdly, this is important too. I want you to see the silence of Matthew. Once he was saved, oh, preacher Danny, his silence, he wrote the book of Matthew. All those chapters, bigger than the book of Mark, bigger than the book of Luke, bigger than the book of John. But did you know? Come here, I want to tell you. Did you know that Matthew has never one word recorded that he ever spake in the Word of God? I'm sure he did. But not one word that he ever spake. This man who is demanding, this man who was commanding, is suddenly silent. He has nothing to say. And that silence to me it's deafening. It says something to me. Preacher Jim, what does it say? I think his silence was born out of an overwhelming sense of unworthiness. When he got saved, when he got converted, he was stunned by the grace of God. And he became so humble that he just took, a, he just took his hand and put it over his mouth and said, Lord of God, ain't God good. He's always pushed his way around. But after getting saved, no record of him ever speaking. And it's a statement. He's all, listen to this. He has spent his entire life as a self-appointed expert. Have you ever gotten around anybody who is an expert on everything? I can tell you the temperature of the laurel bushes by the way they're rolled up. Because you're an expert on law. But I'm just telling you, I've met people who's an expert on blessed everything. But Matthew, all these years, in the tax collecting business, he knew about every single person that he was collecting tax from. And he was an expert in every area and in every walk of life. And you know how hard it is for an expert to play shut mouth and not say a word? Whew. He realized, all these years I've been pushing my way. 
loud mouth and a self-appointed expert and all this time I was wrong. I need to shut up, sit down, and listen to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> That's the best thing we'll ever do, amen, is just listen to him. Let's go back to that in Job again. I got to read that. Can't get away from it. God just always organizes things right on time. I'm laying underneath the pew there last night. God deal with me. And I didn't know how this was going to run together. Job 23. Job 23. We know that Job, he was bereaved of his children. He was bankrupted of his possessions. He, he had boils all over his bride, all over his body. His bride said, cuss God and die. His buddies were miserable comforters. And in Job 23, then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. You hear that? He's beginning to banter with God. He's telling God what needed to be done. Ever, ever done that? I'm just going to pour out my complaint to God and tell him how it ought to be. You see that? Turn with me to Job chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He asked him, God asked Job over 70 questions that I found in the scripture. Now Job said, if I knew where I'd find him, I'd plead my cause, I'd order my case, I'd pour out my complaint. God said, I'm right here. I got some questions for you. Who are you? Where are you? What's you been doing? We come to chapter 40 of the book of Job. After 70 some questions. Moreover the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he, shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer him. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will not, I will proceed no further. Just listen. You know what you need to do? Preacher Darren, I have so much I need to say. I can't just, you, I'm going to tell you what you need to do tonight. Just be still and know that he's God. I laid underneath that pew last night 
head out as God still. Just thank you. Levi, I believe right here in the book of Mark, chapter number two and then chapter number three where we read, I believe that he used to try to be right about every issue and now he said, I've become Matthew with a closed mouth. I'm seventh on the list and I'm thrilled to be there. Matthew is stunned and overwhelmed by the grace of God. He's been wrong so very long. He's been demanding and commanding. And now the Lord says, I'm going to use you, son. Now I broke you, and I've got you in the middle of a middle group. And you've got your hand over your mouth. I'm going to use you to write and be an encouragement to the entire world. I want to say to you tonight, may I point this out to you tonight. May I point you away from everything else in your life and just point you to Jesus. Can you not see how he came to this earth and took upon himself your sins and mine? Can you not see the suffering and the agony and the blood that was shed and the love that he had for us? Can you not see the separation between he and the Father how great and taxing it must have been. Can you not see that they buried him in a tomb and rolled a stone in front of the door of the tomb and said it's over? Did you not know that on the first day of the week he got up victory, victorious over death? Did you not know he's victorious over the grave? He's conquered it all, honey. Did you not know he loves you and he wants to save you? Honey, let me take time out to point you to Jesus. He is the Christ of lost causes. And if tonight you know someone that is lost, they're not saved, honey, you can tell him about it. Tell him again and again and again. He already knows, but let him know you loved him. Let him know you're burdened for him. Abraham stood before the Lord and prayed for Lot. And God spared Lot when the rain of fire and brimstone came down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Honey, God will spare your loved ones too if you'll bring them to him and beg him one more time. I'm going to stand your feet. Stand your feet. It's not my notes. I've just pulled away. Maybe there's somebody tonight. We're having 105 hours of prayer. Maybe you know some people tonight. Preacher Darren, they need to be saved. And who am I to pray? I'm barely even saved myself. But because I know the Jesus that made a difference in my life, I'm bringing to you my family member, my friend, my enemy, the stranger. Lord, help me to know what to say, when to say it. I'm burdened for them. Would you come tonight? Hallelujah. Leave your seat tonight like old Matthew did. Cut ties with your doubts. Cut ties with your fears. And bring those requests to Jesus. Oh, Father, tonight as we bow in your presence, Lord, we take time to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings. And it is Jesus that hath made all the difference in my life. Were it not for Jesus, I'd be in hell. Were it not for Jesus, I'd be suffering for all of eternity. Oh, and I want to thank you, Lord, for your patience and your long-suffering 
with this old big mouth knucklehead. Lord, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your comfort. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your mercy. I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you, God, for working and waiting and listening and loving me, God. Oh, Lord, there's much work to be done. God, I have loved ones tonight, God. I have family members. God, you know of my name. Lord, would you save them, God, forever, before it's everlasting too late. Would you convict them? Would you come by their way one more time on purpose and speak to them and say, follow me. God, would you give them faith and courage to leave where they are and arise cutting ties with the world and the things they're familiar with and follow you by faith. God, would you do this work in their lives? God, I have friends tonight, God. I ask, Father, you'd do this work for our enemies. God, you'd bless the strangers, God, with knowledge of Jesus and salvation. And God, would you help us, Lord, that when we preach, we'd have a burden for lost souls. And when we witness, and when we testify, and when we teach, and when we pray, and when we read, we'd have a greater burden than we've ever had before. Help us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.